Hosea chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading at verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about this thought from trouble to restoration from trouble to restoration there's an incredible quote in our uh, focus 52 this week Uh, the title of that was a door of hope and the quote says simply this i quote hope begins in the dark the stubborn hope that if you just show up And try to do the right thing, the dawn will come. You wait and watch and work, you don't give up. Unquote. I begin to, I I spent the better part of the day here at the church today, and I begin to read. I I hope that you've been studying the book of Hosea, chapter 2, this week. It is an incredible, the whole book of Hosea is an incredible story. And uh, a story of of forgiveness and mercy and healing and restoration and backsliding and all kinds of things that are there. But I begin to think about some of us tonight and where we were and where we are today. And I begin to think about the hand of God And uh, something came to my mind, and I want to ask you tonight to just consider with me because i got a feeling that this is going to touch more people than not tonight. Has there ever been a time in your life that you remember how when you were set to do your own thing and it didn't matter who it affected? Or who it hurt. And then perhaps instead of mom and dad doing or saying anything to you, they just let you go your way until the very thing you wanted so badly turned bad on you. Years ago, we used to sing an old song. That went like this, and some of you gray-headed folks will remember this. It simply went like this. He let me try my wings because I asked him to, even though he knew I couldn't fly. You say, well, it would seem as though that if God loved you, that he wouldn't allow you to fall into those circumstances or those situations. First of all, it's important for us to realize tonight that God loves us so much that he understood that it would take that hardship, it would take that trial, it would take that disappointment, It would take that mistake, if you would, to get you to wake up and come to your senses that all along the people that were telling you what you knew, what they knew was right, that you had to come to the understanding that it was right. We get to the place in our lives sometimes that we find ourselves thinking we know more than God 
Or we know more than the man of God. Or we know more than our parents. Anybody out there? The thing that caught my mind, my heart, and my thoughts about Hosea is that God was so much in love with Israel. Israel was the apple of God's eye. The love story that is told in the book of Hosea is one of the most moving stories of any time or any place. I not going to go through the whole book, but I'd just like to talk to some folks tonight. I, 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 want you to, I want you to just ask yourself this question, particularly maybe the husbands in this place tonight. The Bible tells us that Gomer, who was Hosea's wife, she chose to leave Hosea and live the life of a prostitute. And somewhere along the way, God begins to deal with the prophet of God. And he tells Hosea, I want you to go find Gomer. And I want you to restore her as your wife. Now, I, I, I've been married a long time. A long time. A long time. And, and I, I'm just going to tell you something. I love my wife. We've been together since we were just teenagers. A long time ago. But I don't know. I don't know if my life would fit in the narrative of Hosea if my wife had walked down the path that Gomer walked down. You say, well, preacher, you, 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 how can you stand up there and preach that and not feel like you could do it? I, I'm going to tell you, I just said I don't know. It would be the hand and heart of God but as I begin to look into Hosea, it's a story that touches many lives and homes today where there's separation, division, strife, where husbands and wives don't get along and where the flame of what was once a passionate Loving relationship has now turned into a pile of smoldering coal and ashes. And there are those that cry bitter tears and ask why and how could this have happened. But the truth remains that it is always sin that destroys homes. And beyond that, I want to tell you that it is always sin that destroys lives. You must understand that the Lord loved you enough that He was willing to robe Himself in flesh and come to sacrifice that flesh on an old rugged cross not for him, not for his own well-being, but for the soul of every man, woman, and child. He was willing to take you from trouble to restoration. He was willing to take you from eternal damnation to eternal life. Bible tells us that it was a terrible story. Now, I want to reach for some folks here tonight. I, I know I've got a, a broad spectrum of 
of congregation here that I'm speaking to. But another truth that accompanies this is that not only does it destroy the lives of a man and a woman, but it destroys the lives of the children. Another generation that suffer the greatest loss in relationship. Now I want you to hear me right here. I am, I am a product of a divorced family. I understand what that what 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 is made up of all of that. I understand all of that. I won't get into my life and bore you of the details, but I'm going to tell you that when my mother and daddy divorced, I was just a little boy. And I remember it just as clear tonight as I do the day that it happened. I remember my mother weeping and crying. And I remember her being so angry and bitter. And I want you to understand something today. That that is even further further emphasized in the church. I've watched people do their own thing. I've watched people override spiritual counsel. I've watched people override the guidance of the Spirit when God would deal with them and tell them, don't go that way. Don't do that. Don't get involved there. Don't disobey those that have the rule over you. And I've watched as those people walked in disobedience to God and to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God. And I've watched as their lives ended up in a heap. But I want to tell you something sadder than that are those that are around you that are watching you. Maybe they're new babies in the kingdom. Maybe they're folks that you have influenced in their life and they watch as your life is destroyed. Watch me here. Because you become separated from your bridegroom. You see, life isn't always just about us. Life isn't always just about what we want. If there's one thing that I've realized in 44 years of marriage is there's times when I just do Not because it's what I want to do, but because it's what's best to do. You're not going to help me right now. I'm going to tell you the key to your successful relationship with God and your marriage is there's times when you just got to swallow your pride. You just got to swallow your selfish desires. And you have to say to yourself... The better good is for me to back off and let God do what God does. I want to tell you, I'm going to get into my title in just a minute, but I want to tell you something. At that moment that we become so self-centered, at that moment when we become so self-serving, that we are not concerned about anybody else around us. We're not, cons- we're not worried about what it's going to do to hurt someone else or damage someone else. At that moment, we are destined for trouble. We are destined for a downfall because life, marriage, family relationship, relationship with God is about more than just us I've seen people and you've seen people that never gave the church a thought never allowed it to even cross their mind they were going to do their own thing and they never ever worried about what kind of damage it was going to do to the reputation of the church church 
I've watched as people operated selfishly and self-centered. And I've watched as they destroyed not only their relationships, but the relationships of others. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God and have people somewhere out there in the crowd pointing their finger at me saying, You're the reason I wasn't in the church. You're the reason I didn't live for God. You say, oh, Bishop, you really think that'll happen? Make no mistake about it. It's better to live your life to please God than it is to live life to please yourself. So, as we survey the scripture we find out that there is bitterness that presents itself we find a woman who's leaving her husband she feels that he's not good enough He doesn't meet her expectations anymore. Just stay with me. I want you to keep the church in mind when you hear what I'm saying. I've heard it time and time again. Oh, I'm going to leave because I'm not getting fed there anymore. It's kind of funny how all that feeding kept you through all of the turmoil that you had in your life through all of the struggle that you had in your life, through all of the pain in your life, through all of the struggle that you had raising your children in the church and the man of God being there every time there was a disaster. Come on, you got to help me right here. The church was there in in your most down times the church was there when you couldn't pull yourself up but now all of the sudden the church is just not what I need that's the problem it's not about what you need you see She tells him, I've been seeing someone else. Come on, somebody. He's got everything I've always wanted. He really loves me. I'm sorry. Goodbye. I want to tell you that the road to trouble begins when you begin to look at the church as only providing for your needs. The road to trouble begins when you start looking around for greener grass. I know this is a little funny, but somebody said the grass isn't really greener on the other side. It's just where somebody's septic tank is. I'm going to tell you something. You better understand something. The enemy, just like he does in a marriage, when things get rocky in a marriage, you mark this down and listen to your bishop right now. I'm an old man now. I'm about to be 64 years old. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've been a lot of places. I've dealt with a lot of people. And if you'll please just accept that understanding tonight, let me tell you, I've seen it over and over and over again when marriages get rocky when things get difficult the enemy will always send somebody by to say the right things to whisper the right things in your ear to tell you just what you want to hear You got to help me right here and make no mistake. He does the same thing in the church. When things get a little rocky, things, maybe the preacher preaches something that goes against your grain, and immediately you're looking for somebody, some church, some preacher. 
that'll tell you what you want to hear. Make no mistake, it's a ploy of the enemy to draw you away from the life-giving source. Oh, somebody help me right here. I've sat across my desk from many that have said, I don't love her anymore. I don't love him anymore. That's really not what it's all about. It really is about trying to find something just a little bit more exciting. Something just a little new. I'm trying to help somebody from falling into trouble. Well, what about it, Gomer? There. I've been here many times. Stunned, hurt, in sorrow. Stands a man who simply can't change her mind. I love those conversations. Uh, Pastor, I'd, I'd like to meet with you. I'd like to discuss something with you. And there's really no discussion. It's just simply I've made up my mind and I'd like for you to put your stamp of approval on it. There's no changing her mind, Hosea. She's made up her mind. Please hear me right now. It may look like there's no changing their mind. You may have lost children. You may have lost spouses. You may have lost family of some sort. And it may look like there's no changing their mind. But make no mistake. I don't want to give this away too early. Make no mistake. God will let them go as far as they want to go, but He'll never turn His back on them. He still loves them. He still cares for them. He still will restore them. So we find a bitter fight. A woman leaving her husband... She feels like there's something better. And there she stands. He's tried many times to dissuade her from leaving. Uh, we, we'll get counseling. We'll, we'll, we'll do, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I don't want you to leave. And he can only look at her picking up her bags. Walking out the door. And here we read how Israel had her bags packed. Was walking out on God. But God doesn't give up easy. I said God doesn't give up easy. God's love is a love that knows no bounds. You're looking at somebody tonight that understands it doesn't matter how far you go. God's going to love you back to the house of God. I'm telling you, I know for a fact it doesn't matter how far you go. The love of God has no bounds. Don't you worry about that son. Don't you worry about that daughter. Don't you worry about those friends and family. Don't you worry about that backsider. Don't you worry about that prodigal. The love of God has never quit reaching. The love of God will never quit reaching. God says, I will allure her. 
and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Everybody still with me? Israel was unfaithful to God. A spiritual adulteress caught in the act. It was so repulsive to God that God was about to strip her of all standing when God says, oh wait just a minute. I love her more than that. I will allure her. I'll do whatever I need to do to get her back to me. I'm trying to help somebody here that's got somebody in your life that you love and the enemy has told you they're in trouble. There's no hope for them. There's no help for them. God spoke to me on this Wednesday night to tell somebody He'll do whatever it takes to get them back to Him. Watch Him. I'll keep courting her. I'll draw her to me again. I'll speak comfortably to her. I'll speak words of love to her. Because I can't give up on the one I love. And so again, against his own nature, God steps into the place of reconciling her back to him. In other words, this is what he says to her. Hey, let's let's get away. Just you and me. And go away for a while. So we can talk this over and be together like we used to be with no one else around. Let's go to a secret place alone. You and me together because I really love you. I care for you. I want you to be totally mine. And God is committed to her redemption. He's committed to her deliverance. He's committed to her restoration. I want to see the hand of anybody in this building that you've been restored by God. Come on, lift your hand. I want you to look around right now. I want you to look around right now. Listen, put your hands down. Listen to me. I want you to understand something about God. He's not going to leave them out there without reaching. Oh, God, help me right now. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter where they're walking. God has not forgotten them. God has not forsaken them. God will restore them back to Him. Say, well, Bishop, they're not going to pray. No, you don't understand. That alone place may be on a bar stool somewhere. You don't understand that alone place may be out in the middle of a wilderness or a desert somewhere. God begins to deal with them, begins to draw them, begins to restore them. Oh, but why would God do that? They've chosen to live that way. They've chosen to do the things that they're doing. Make no mistake. It is only the ploy of the enemy 
to get us to deny that we're in love with God. It is only the weapon of the enemy to put something in front of us that he thinks we'll love more than God. And it may feel like that that's the way it is. You may love that something more than God. But I can tell you this. God loves you more than that something. And so we move forward. We find God dealing, drawing. And so we come to church to commune with Him, to be plunged deeper, to soar higher, to go farther with God than we've ever gone before. And I wonder sometimes if we ever really thank Him for what He's done. I heard some of your testimonies tonight. Oh, Sister Lorianne, you don't know what it made happen to me on the inside when I heard you say, when I reached out to pray for them, I began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave the utterance. Let me tell you, that is the key to staying out of trouble when we understand our ability to minister to others is more important than ministering to ourselves. If your marriage is to survive, it'll be because you understand it's not about getting your needs met, but it's about meeting the needs of the one that you've fallen in love with. And it's the same way in the church. If we ever lose sight of the fact that our purpose in the church is not to have our needs met, but our purpose in the church is to meet the needs of every drunk, every alcoholic, every drug addict. Come on, every sinner that walks through the door, every struggling brother or sister that's looking for direction. Our purpose in the kingdom is not for trouble. Our purpose in the kingdom is for restoration. Let me hurry on. So we hear the voice of God dealing, drawing, loving, and caring. God looks at this woman of ill repute. And says, she says to him, I heard some of you say it tonight. I don't deserve it. I'm not deserving of it. Watch this now. Gomer, what are you doing? I love you, Gomer. She says, I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not worthy, but God says, watch this. If you read early in that chapter, the Bible said that Israel was given credit to her lover for the vineyards, the food, the supply. But later on in the chapter, God said she didn't know it. She didn't understand it. But I was the one knocking on her lover's door and bringing groceries to the house and provide. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you that I know, again, I know from personal witness that even when I was out of the will of God, 
God still provided and took care of my needs. Why? Because he loved me enough to look beyond my faults and see my needs. He loved me enough that he understood if he just kept providing and kept loving that eventually I'd want to leave that and come. God, help us right now. God's trying to get us to realize there's nothing in this world worth falling in love with. I don't, I don't deserve it, she says. But God says, wait just a minute. I'll keep providing for her. I'll keep loving her. I'll keep drawing her just because she can't help herself. Do you hear me? I, I don't understand, Bishop. My son, my daughter, my in-laws, my outlaws, they, they've all gone crazy. They, 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 they live for God at some point. But now they won't live for Him. Please hear me right now when I tell you I know this may not be popular, but it's true. They cannot help themselves. What do you mean, Bishop? They're not under their own power. That's why the Bible is so adamant about you and I being led by the Spirit because if we're not under the power of the Holy Ghost, then we're being led by the powers of darkness. So you need something to pray about? Why don't you pray for God to break the hold of the powers of darkness that have them bound? Quit judging them. Quit being critical of them because they're not doing the right thing right now. God's still loving them. God's still wooing them. God's still giving to them. He's just waiting to restore them. God said, watch this. I'll give her the valley of Achor. For a door of hope. I don't know if you know what the Valley of Achor is. Anybody remember the story in the Word of God of a man named Achan? The Valley of Achor was the valley where Achan was slain for his trespass during the Battle of Jericho when his heart coveted the wedge of gold silver the Babylonian garment when he loved that more than he loved God watch me watch me here oh, I've preached on this so many times so many places but watch this Achan never thought about Israel he never considered what it was going to cost for him. I, it was just a little retirement plan, Brother Sean. Just a little gold, a little silver. and You know, we've been doing battle and war. and It won't hurt to have another little garment to put on. I'll just bury it here and it won't hurt anybody. So they go to A.I., Israel's in battle. Brother Stephen, they've never lost a battle until now. God's hand has always been on them. The blessing of God has always helped them defeat every enemy. And then one, then two. Then... And so daddies die. Brothers die. Uh, it won't hurt. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's just my life. I'll just do what I want to do. Watch now, it gets worse. Because when they come back and all of those have died in the battle, 
God speaks to Joshua and says to Joshua, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. You got to find out who it is, Joshua. It's the reason why people died. And so it's discovered it's aching. But it doesn't stop there because God said, I want you to get aching. I want you to get all of his children. I want you to get his family. You hearing what I'm telling you right now? Your selfish motivation is going to cost you more than just your own soul. Bring, bring his livestock, anything that belongs to Achan. And they stoned them. I preach this everywhere. Sister Martha, I can't imagine what that baby felt like when it looked up to daddy and said, Daddy, why are they throwing stones at us, Daddy? I'm telling you, selfish motivation brings destruction to you and those that you love. I know this is heavy for a Wednesday night Bible study, but I'm telling somebody, I'm trying to help somebody. God said, I'm going to take that valley of Achor. I'm going to take it. It's the valley of trouble. And I'm going to turn it into a door of hope. Verse 26, Joshua chapter 7, they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place, the valley of Achor, unto this Can I help somebody tonight? Sometimes, please hear me. Please hear me right here. Sometimes, in order for God to get our attention and to turn us back to Him, He must take us to the valley of trouble before we can find a door of hope. I know I've looked at lives. I've looked at folks. And I wondered, I asked the question, forgive me, but I've asked the question, and I'm sure you have too. How much more is it going to take before they give in to the love of God? How much further will they have to go? It doesn't matter how far they go. They'll never be out of His reach. God, God was saying of the Valley of Achor, it was a defeat for Israel. It seemed as though it would be a blight on their record. Why don't we not talk about that? Let's talk about the crossing of the Jordan River. But God was saying, I'll take your defeat and turn it into a victory. Because after Achor and Ai, they went to the promised land. God wants to tell somebody here tonight. I'll take your valley of defeat and trouble where you've stumbled and fallen and I'll make it a door of hope. I'll make it a door of restoration. I'll make it a door of healing. I'll make it a door of help. I'll make it a door that you'll feel my love again. I'll turn your situation around. I'll give you an open door 
so you can get out of your valley. You need to leave the stones that bury your mistake. You need to turn from the rubble that marks the failures of your past and look to the door of hope that leads you to victory. It's a door of hope. It's a door of new vision. It's a door of forgiveness. It's a door of your deliverance. It's a door of restoration. Say, well, I don't understand. Why do we have to go through that? What's the purpose of the Valley of Achor? What's the purpose of the dark valley? The darkness of Egypt only made the stars of God's promises and provisions seem brighter. God is offering deliverance to those who will answer the call and come beyond the door. Sister St. Clair used to sing a song when we were evangelizing and we sung it here. The song said, Beyond the open door, there's a new and fresh anointing. I feel like tonight, on this Wednesday night, there's some folks under the sound of my voice that you need a new and fresh anointing. And it's not in the valley, but it's through the door of hope. It was in the dark when God came to make a covenant with Abraham. All day long, until the set of sun, Abraham drove the buzzards from his sacrifice. But when the blackness of night fell... And Abraham was all alone. God came to him. There are times that the glory of God can only be seen in dark times. In the blackness of night, in the depths of your valley, is when God shows up. When it feels like no one is there. When it feels like you're all alone. When it feels like all there is is trouble. The God of restoration. The God of the open door of hope shows up in your life. Do you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Watch this, and I'm closing. Jacob. Jacob was in the dark of trouble with Esau, his brother, hotly pursuing after him. To kill him. Jacob was running from his uncle Laban. He was running from his past. Watch now, listen closely. All along, Jacob's biggest enemy he was running from was himself. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord in the deep, 
dark night. And that's when God opened a door of hope and gave him a new name and a new start. Four hundred silent years. Dark years. Between God, His last utterance to Israel. Until the day the angels of the Lord heralded the coming of Jesus Christ. It was the announcement of the door of hope to the world. Because Jesus said, I am the door. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. I want to tell somebody here, Jesus is your door. Out of your trouble, out of your sin. He's the door to life. He's the door to love. He's the door to joy. He's the door to peace. He's the door to your salvation. He's the door to your healing. He's the door to your victory. And I'm going to ask you tonight on this Wednesday night to walk down that aisle and open the door to whatever you need Him to be tonight. He wants to take you from your trouble to restoration. He wants to meet you at your point of need tonight. He's everything that you need. He's going to take you out of the valley.